1: Lightning fans, you've found the right show for everything you need to know about your favorite team in the NHL. It's the Lightning Insider Podcast with Eric Erlinson. Get ready for insight, historical perspective, interviews, and breaking news that comes from a reporter insider who's got near 20 years on the Tampa Bay Lightning beat. Now for the latest with the Lightning, here's Eric. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the lightninginsider.com podcast. We're coming at you before the start of the Stanley Cup final. Yes, Tampa Bay knocks off the New York Islanders in seven games, and this is still so weird to say but they're going to face the Montreal Canadiens in the Stanley Cup final. That's just still bizarre to me, but uh, the series does get underway on Monday with Game 1 at Amley Arena, and I'm happy to bring back my co-host, Greg Linelli from Lightning Power Play, Lightning Radio. Catch him weekdays from noon to 1 with Dave Michigan on Power Lunch, as well as post postgame and intermission host as well on all lightning radio broadcasts and uh, Greg before we get too deep into this strange and odd Stanley Cup final a um, lot to like even though it went seven games and everything else but a lot to like about the way the lightning won that series against the Islanders I don't know what you're talking about <laughs> they didn't play the Islanders. There was no issue. I don't even know what you're you're
2: saying, what you're discussing. Of course I'm I'm trying to be funny, but Nikita Kucherov, as we are recording This podcast, he on a Sunday spoke to the media and somebody asked him about his injuries and having a couple of days off and if he's feeling better. And he, what was the line? He basically said, I don't know what you're talking about. I wasn't injured. There was never a question. I was not going to play game seven. And, you know, Cooch having some fun with that. So that, that is a very, very positive sign heading into <laughs> yes. the series. And I think that's something we may get into in this show, depending on our time. But I, I think that'll be a, a fun topic to get into his health and how it relates to the series. But, you know, we we had talked about the Islanders and how tough of an opponent they would be because of the way they play. And you heard so much about the structure and the structure. And I got really annoyed about it because it especially after game one. And I'll I'll call some people out. I'm not going to do it by name. But there were a lot of people that were just panicking after the Lightning lost Game 1 to the Islanders 2-1. to And I don't know if it was because of what happened last year, if it's the way the Islanders played, or if it was the amount of respect given to Barry Trotz. But my counter to them was always, well, I want to see what the Islanders can do for three more wins because they played a perfect game in game one and I I thought for them to do what they did in game one for the rest of the series was going to be really tough to do and that the Lightning were going to have to be off their game if New York was going to win that series now it went seven and we can debate if you know we thought it was going to go seven but the thing I took from that series there were a couple of things one This wasn't necessarily about the Lightning scoring. It was about the Lightning defending. They gave up 11 total goals in that series against the Islanders. So all that talk... Unbelievably low number. Yeah. So all that talk about New York being the team with the structure and the discipline, well, not enough was made of what Tampa Bay did, particularly in Game 7, when they limited the Islanders a good chunk of that game until basically the third period when the Islanders needed to press for a goal. And I I know they have Andre Vasilevsky, and I know he's the best goaltender in the world, but there were a couple of games in that series where, you know, the Lightning deed up really, really well. And I I thought that was something that we're going to have to take away from this series and why I think they're going to be so tough to handle for Montreal in the Stanley Cup final. The other thing, too, was the Lightning did more with their chances offensively than the Islanders did. Tampa Bay had the one crooked game where they get eight goals, but what I took from that series against the Islanders when their star players had an opportunity to finish more times than not they didn't there were a few instances where they did but more times than not they either missed the net it was blocked or the puck was on a guy's stick who's not necessarily a goal scorer Komarov comes to mind where he had at least three or four glorious scoring chances in that series in close and never converted when the Lightning had opportunities to finish They did a bit better than the Islanders, and all I have to do is look at Game 7 and see Yanni Gord doing what he did. And I am going to say the last point regarding the Islanders. I I do think it's phenomenal what they accomplished. They need to upgrade their skill level just a bit more, uh, especially if you're trying to knock off the Tampa Bay Lightning. I'm not a big fan of the two-goalie system. You and I have had conversations about that. I have to tip my cap to... Uh, Varlamov though he was fantastic and I think Barry Trotz probably would do wise to stick with him and not have any changes in the postseason I know Sorokin they're pretty high on but I don't think it's a coincidence that the two teams who were meeting in the Stanley Cup final and I don't think I, I didn't believe it was going to be the Canadians but kudos to them a lot of things have to go your way I don't think it's a surprise or a coincidence that the two starting goaltenders are horses for the most part, Carey Price and Vasilevsky. There are, there should be no issues who your number one goaltender is, and I think that's another thing I took from the series against the Islanders, and really I think more so the first three rounds of these playoffs is how the goaltender position was such an advantage, I thought, for the most part, for the Lightning, because other teams really don't have a number one, and I I think we kind of saw that even with Vegas. So, Definitely count your blessings if you're a Lightning fan with Vassie and Nettie. I also think you have to recognize this is the golden era of Lightning hockey, but I'll go a step further. I think this is the best run in Tampa Bay sports history, and I think people need to understand that and embrace it for how long it's gone on and how good this team has been. And I think that's something that's probably not being talked enough about because this still is a football town. The Rays have done really well. The Lightning have had their moments before this run when it started in, what, 2014, 2015, when they took on the Blackhawks. But, D, this run's phenomenal, and I I do think this is the best run that we've seen from a sports team uh, in Tampa Bay sports history.
1: I don't think there's any debate about that fact. Um, You know, you think about, it, uh, what, five conference finals in seven years, I mean... Not many teams can accomplish that. Now it's you know it, it, you're you're much better off here being, uh, you know, having won the cup last year, and you know you don't want to be the Atlanta Braves and all the runs that they had and only got the one World Series title, or the Buffalo Bills and four straight Super Bowls and not winning one of them. Um, you know, it, 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 it was you were starting to get kind of that conversation come up before they won it last year, and now here you sit in this situation where you have this team on the verge on the cusp and have this in their grasp to uh, give themselves a legacy. That's what this, this, to me, that's what this series is about from a Tampa Bay perspective. And, you know, John Cooper's talked about it a lot, you know, throughout the year, do you want to be one and done or do you want to do something special? They definitely have the opportunity to do something very special here. And if we kind of tie in, you know, the, the, the thought about the Islanders series, the defensive awareness, the defensive understanding of this team, like they didn't have to rely on Andre Vasilevsky to win in that series. He came up with saves. Don't get me wrong; he made saves, he made timely saves. But the structure, the willingness to block shots, everything that maybe this team wasn't as willing to do in years past. So when I, you know, I, when I write stories like I have up on the website right now about having to go through the pain and the losses that they did to understand what it was going to take to finally reach the top of the mountain. That's kind of what you're talking about. The determination, the grit, uh, the understanding of how to play and, and, you know, win battles and, and compete for pucks and get in the way of pucks and everything like that. We saw that on full display in that series against the Islanders. And the fact that, you know, take the eight-goal game out of the equation, basically, as we figured, everything was basically 2-1-3-2. Then, of course, you get the one nothing game in Game 7. Uh, this team has learned so much, and it's a big reason why this is a golden age of lightning hockey and, and sports here in the Tampa Bay area is because of their willingness and understanding to put all of those lessons of the years past into playoff hockey. And, and it's look, it, you added Pat Maroon, there's no doubt. There are certain aspects that they felt they were missing with the Pat Maroon. But it's also the, you know, the understanding of guys like Nikita Kucherov. And you get guys like Brayton Point who will win puck battles. Anthony Sorelli who will win puck battles. Steven Stamkos, you know, now maybe be more uh, engaged in that part of his game, understanding the willingness that it takes. It took a long road to get to this understanding. But here we are again with the chance for this team to sort of stamp their legacy in this, because uh, the the Penguins in sixteen seventeen are the only team in the cap era to repeat as champions, and instead of talking about the Lightning as yeah they were a good team and yeah they won a cup, now all of a sudden we're going to talk about everything that they they can't accomplish here and and what their how history is going to judge this seven eight year stretch of this team. To me, that's what's on the line here. You know, find any
2: successful person. And you can define success however you want in your world. It, it can be a small success, it can be a huge success, it can be money related, it can be status, whatever it is. Most of the time, those people failed big time before they achieved greatness in their eyes. And let's face it, even when we talk about this Lightning team, this particular group, we always have to go back and look at what happened to the Columbus Blue Jackets a couple of years ago. It's going to start with that series. Those players were humbled. I think the head coach was humbled. I think the organization was humbled. Absolutely. Based off of the regular season they had. And knowing that they made history in a positive way with the regular season, and then they made history in a negative way with what happened in the postseason. And I think that embarrassed them. And they had a decision to make do we want to tinker with our game, be better defensively, be harder to play against, or do we want to continue to be a team that's free-flowing, that scores a lot of goals, but when we get punched in the mouth, you know, we really don't punch back sometimes. We may, we may crawl up a bit, and I think we know what the answer is to that. I mean, they've been phenomenal. It's led by their goaltender, who is money when he has an opportunity to close out a series. You've got star players who are in the prime of their career, age-wise, who were producing. And then you've got a GM, and you can throw Steve Eisman a bone, throw Julian Breezewa a bone, who have gone out and tinkered with the roster to the point where their defense was made through trades and free agency outside of Victor Hedman. And Breezewa goes out and spends and gives up what he wants to give up to get Blake Coleman and Barkley Goodrow. And those two signings, in addition to what Luke Shen and Pat Maroon have brought to this team, have changed the identity somewhat, especially when you're talking about the playoffs. It's hard to do. The Lightning have done it, and now you start chasing history because, as we know, E, when you win a cup, it changes your legacy. If you win two, now we're talking about you with the all-time greats and guys like Kucherov and Points and Vasilevsky and Hedman, even Stammer to a lesser extent, because I don't think he's as dynamic as those players at this point in his career, you start talking about multiple Stanley Cups, in addition to the individual numbers they're putting up, you're not just talking about best Lightning players of all time. You're starting to be in that conversation with best players of all time. And that is something that these players recognize. And having an opportunity. Let's face it, they are the favorite in this series. They are, and they should be. There is a real possibility for them to go back to back. And I think they can taste that. And greatness is a motivating factor. And to be one of the truly greats of this game, you've got to win multiple cups, whether you agree with that or not. And they have an opportunity to do that.
1: They do that's why i say it's right there in front of them right on that precipice right and and the only team standing in front of them is a division <laughs> rival yeah which again just feels so weird to, to think and say about and they haven't faced him since you know March, January or February of last year but um and and the one thing the one x factor is this this is probably the one series where the lighting don't have a decided advantage in goal because of Carey Price, because of what he's capable of doing, they're two very similar goaltenders in my mind. In how they're just—they don't have wasted motion, right? Like they're just so calm in their crease. They don't panic. You don't see them swimming and flopping about. Um, and it, the run that Carey Price has had has been phenomenal. He's probably the biggest reason the Canadians are here. Um, and and to me, this is—that's what's going to make this. It's a goaltending situation that makes this a little bit more difficult of a series on paper. Um, you know between these two teams, and I'm looking forward to that sort of matchup, that battle. Does Montreal, who thrives on their defense and their goaltender, they don't score a ton of goals, and in a lot of ways, they're a little similar to the Islanders in that aspect. Now they have a game changer, and you know in Cole Caulfield, who the Lighting have never seen. So he kind of brings a different dynamic that we're not accustomed to seeing with this Montreal team. Uh, But again, they have the opportunity here to defeat to Carey price, who has been a nemesis of theirs for years since they've obviously been in the Atlantic division together. Uh, But if they can do it and, and do it in this sort of a setting, this spotlight, this scenario against that goaltender, I think that's just going to make it even more of an, of a, of a situation that they'll relish it. um, You know, not that, Winning the Stanley Cup isn't a great feat, but to do it against him, I think, would be an amazing accomplishment.
2: And I'm really interested to watch Carey Price in this series because he split basically the season with Jake Allen and Nets. So I'm wondering if Price, for the first time in a while, is feeling fresh, at least at this point in his career. He's dealt with some injuries and, you know, the Canadian, Montreal Canadian media hasn't been great to him at times over the years. He's widely considered the best goaltender, in the game for the last decade. I don't know if that's been true over the last couple of years, though. I think that might be more reputation than anything else. But I am curious to see him play because I I think for the first time in a while, he's he's pretty fresh. The numbers suggest that he's playing at a very high level. But he also probably hasn't seen a team like the Lightning. And I think there's something to be said for that. You're right about the Islanders comparison. Because I was thinking about this the other day. I mean, they play st- with structure. They are really hard to play against. Even when the Canadians weren't getting to the playoffs the last few years, you always felt like they were a team they were going to bring their energy and their grittiness led by uh, Brendan Gallagher every single time they stepped on the ice. I feel like maybe they they have a little more high-end talent than the Islanders, although time will tell. Toffoli certainly has had a resurgence this year. But guys like Suzuki and, and Cole Caulfield maybe have given them a, a lot more skill in that lineup in addition to what you're getting from Corey Perry, the veteran. Um, Kaki Nemi has been a, a guy that's another talented player that they're trying to build and groom to be really, really good. But I, I think it's a team that probably relies on price. Their penalty kill has been outstanding. Particularly in their last series, and you've got you know Shea Weber and-, and Jeff Petrie if he's you know healthy and ready to go, which he should be. Those are two big horses on the back end that I think gives gives the Lightning something different in this series. But you know when I watch when I've watched the Canadians and when I watch the Lightning and their opponents, there's nothing there that scares me. I mean, you could sit there and say Carey Price could steal you a game or two. Can he steal a series
0: against the Lightning? Yes, he can. He may. He could. He could. I mean, he could.
2: He could. As you said, out of all of the goaltenders up to this point, Varlamov probably performed the best. Yep. And I don't know if he could have played any better. And it still wasn't enough. Now, maybe Price gives them a little bit more, and we'll see. But to me, that's going to be matchup number one in this series. Price against that lightning offense
1: yeah and and the ability for tampa bay much as they did particularly in games five and seven and how they were able to get the puck in deep behind the islanders defense i think that's going to be a big part of trying to find success in this series too you know the island or the montreal's defense is not the fleetest of foot you know shea weber is not the skater he used to be he's still a big body presence and of course that big booming shot that he has jeff petrie is more of a puck handler remember he's playing with with broken fingers Uh, he looked pretty effective in Vegas so so I don't know how much it's affecting his game Um, you know you've got um, Ben Sherratt Uh, you know you've got a couple of guys Joel Edmondson who's won a cup with St. Louis a couple years ago so you've got some big bodies back there but I don't know how quick they are so if you have the ability to get the puck in deep and make the D go to work I think that's an advantage that Tampa Bay has an opportunity to exploit a little bit uh, the special teams matchup is going to be extremely intriguing to me because I think Montreal's killed off with 31 straight power play opportunities. Now, I'll, I'll preface that by saying this, too. I mean, how many power plays can we expect? There was one power play call in game seven. We know we know this. This is nothing new as the playoffs get deeper there seems to be fewer and fewer calls made. So how many opportunities are Tampa Bay even going to get? I mean, think about it. How much puck possession do they have in the first two periods of Game 7 and they didn't get a call? Nothing went their way. So you have to figure, if you're Tampa Bay, you have to go in with that same attitude. Don't expect to get yeah. any power plays. And that but hurts. take advantage take advantage of them when they come.
2: Let's face it. If they don't get a few chances every game on the power play, that's going to hurt the Lightning. That's part of their game. And there's nothing yep. wrong with that. That helps a team like the Canadians. That being said... If you're going to see penalties called, I think you're going to see more at the beginning of the series than at the end. And there I'm not telling you that's that's right, I'm not telling you it's wrong as you just said. That's the way it goes. So for the Lightning, if that comes to fruition, you know, you have an opportunity to get out hopefully to an early series lead and you know, we'll see how this all plays out. There may be a little feeling out process early on in game 1, but I think both teams know enough about each other that there's not going to be a ton of adjustment. As you said, they've got a couple of new guys, younger players, who are dynamic that they're going to have to contend with, particularly the back end and being aware of where those guys are. But also, too, the left side of Tampa Bay's defense is as strong as anybody's. Ryan McDonough is playing at a very high level. He might be their best defenseman so far in these playoffs, and that's that's saying something. Um, I think it's a challenge they're willing to accept. And I think it's also going to be interesting to see if Tampa Bay is able to get a couple of uh, multi-goal leads in these games to see if the Canadians have the firepower to chip away because I, I think that still is a, a question mark just a
1: bit. Don't be left out. Make sure you subscribe to the Lightning Insider on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else where podcasts are found. Now, here again is there. You know, one big thing heading into the start of the series, too. We haven't brought it up yet. Uh, Joel Armia, who's a big part of their shutdown line. He's a big part of their penalty kill. He's not traveling to Tampa. He's in COVID protocol. So he's missing at least the first two games, which, you know, in this day and age that we're living in, that's a huge situation. You've already got their head coach, Dominic Ducharme, who won't be behind the bench. He hasn't been behind the bench uh, since the start of the Vegas series. Luke Richardson has been behind the bench as the uh, so-called interim head coach while Ducharme is in protocol uh, at least through the end of game two it sounds like he'll be back for game three, but you don't have Armia and he's out for, again, for, for at least probably at least two games here. And, and depending on what it is, we don't, you know, as we're uh, talking about this, we don't have the quote unquote league COVID list uh, and who might be unavailable, but that's a huge loss for Montreal and the way that he has performed in this postseason. Uh, because of, uh, you know, he's got five goals and eight, uh, eight points. So he's got some offense to his game, but it's the shutdown part of his game that's missing. And, you know, you figure if you're going to put Philip Deneau, who's one probably one of the most underrated shutdown centers in the league, you, I mean, Mark Stone was as quiet as I've ever seen Mark Stone, you know, in that series against Vegas and, and shutting him down. Obviously, they, they were a big part of keeping Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner pretty quiet uh, in the opening round against Toronto. Uh, but without him for at least two games, that's an, that's something that kind of really leans things towards Tampa Bay's way in sort of an under understated sort of situation because he's not that game breaker type of player, but he means a lot to that Montreal roster. Well, and he was really good on face offs, wasn't
2: he? I mean that that's something that he can provide, and that that would be a big loss. You know, it's interesting too. A guy they have on the roster that remembers the Lightning very well is Josh Anderson. Now, he hasn't had a a big playoff, but he's a big guy. And that'll be interesting to see how the Lightning are able to compete and contend with him going to the front of the net. And it'll be interesting to see how much you know, a guy like Anderson has in the tank. You talk about dynamic players. I'm not necessarily saying he's dynamic. He's unique to maybe who Montreal has up front because they've got some smaller skilled guys. But Anderson at 6'3 can be that power forward that is pretty impactful. So... That will be somebody that will have to elevate his game in addition to so many others on the, the Canadiens' roster if they're going to want to pull off the upset here.
1: And, and the point about Anderson, I remember... Um, I, I, it must have been during the series in, in, in 19 where John Tortorella tried to paint and portray Josh Anderson as their, quote-unquote, Tom Wilson. you know, Because he has a size, he has some of that power forward, some of that nastiness to his game if he wanted you know, to kind of go down that route. And he's never, never kind of taken that to heart. He's never been somebody that has, you know, brought that part of his game, but he has that ability. Now he's had a pretty quiet playoffs to this point. I mean, his, Biggest claim to fame was taking advantage of the Marc-Andre Fleury blunder at the end of game three that sent that game at overtime. I think he had the winner in OT as well. But, you know, other than that, he's only had three goals in the postseason. But he is a guy who's capable with his size and his ability to get to the net because he he can drive the net even with the puck on a stick. He's not just a, a guy that can camp out in front, but he can drive the net. Uh, and if if he can do that, if, if, if he can get behind lightning defense in that way, he is somebody that can have a bigger impact in this series than he's had so far in the postseason, season. And, um, you know, I think that's why for Tampa Bay, I think you have to have some of the approach that they had in, in game seven against the Islanders. And that's sometimes the best defense is a good offense and don't give them opportunities. I mean, you're never going to have the puck the whole game. It just doesn't work that way in hockey, but, um, you know, the less opportunities you give the other team by making them work. I mean, I, I thought it was masterful in game seven, the first two periods where they would have the puck in the zone so long, all the Islanders could do was clear the puck and change. And then all of a sudden Tampa Bay's coming back at them again. Um, yeah. I think they have that potential to be able to do that against Montreal, but I don't know, um, you know, how much you're going to be able to maintain the puck possession and not give Montreal looks and chances because uh, they are an opportunistic team. Uh, I th- I think aren't they undefeated? I think in the playoffs when they allow two or fewer goals, and that's you can say that about a lot of teams. But I think that gives you an idea of how much they rely on, you know, m- being opportunistic with the puck while also making sure that you keep um, the other team off the board.
2: Multi-goal lead, I think that's what you want to see from the Lightning if they can in this series against the Canadians. Anderson's always been interesting too. You bring up some good points about him with Columbus and. Maybe that's who John Tortorella wanted him to be like a bit in Tom Wilson conditioning. You always heard about uh, Anderson was was a little bit of an issue and didn't have the greatest relationship towards the end of his career in Columbus. But somebody that never has really lived up to what that twenty seven goal season he had a, a few years back. I don't think he's hit yeah. twenty goals since. And for his size and skill set, you feel like that should be something that he um, does a little bit more. But you know, we'll see how that plays out. I think in this series, if they're going to win, a guy like that is going to have to probably exceed expectations. And up to this point, hasn't been that dynamic player, but that could change in the Stanley Cup Final. Guys can raise their games
1: at any time. Hey, Mike Rupp made a career basically out of being a guy who scored two goals in Game Seven for Jersey. Mike Rupp, right? I, I mean, it. think about that. I mean, Ruslan Fedotenko. I mean, Fedotenko had a little bit more to his game for sure. And, and, you know, we remember that more around here, obviously for other reasons, but I mean, think about that. I mean, Mike, Mike Rupp, he's, he was a, he was a fourth line player. He was, you know, a guy who um, was more out there for, you know, policing the game as much as anything else. Uh, but he scored two goals in a game seven to help Jersey win the cup in 2003. I was actually at that game covering it for the Tribune uh, at the time. Um, but, you know, I mean, legacies can be made from an individual standpoint by big performances at big, big moments um, so anybody's capable of doing it But I think just like we've seen Throughout most of these first three rounds I think Tampa Bay's depth and Their ability to get Scoring from multiple lines um, Their D uh, hasn't had the impact Offensively That we're used to seeing from them But they still had impact moments In these series I mean look Ryan McDonough Doesn't even get an assist On a game winning goal in game 7 But his play starts it all so, you know, we've had plenty of those moments from the D. I just think at the end of the day that this is the deepest team in the NHL. They have the elite high-end skill once again, and they've got the goalie who can make a difference. And I just find it hard to think that Montreal is going to be able to continue this Cinderella season against Tampa Bay.
2: Yeah, I mean, look, they're the favorite. I mean, it's it's okay to say that. I think sometimes people like, well, you know, Montreal's a really good. Yeah, they are. They, they made it to the Stanley Cup final. And, E, they may be a team this year that – How far they've gone doesn't necessarily indicate how good of a team they are. You know, sometimes things just come together, whether you're an average team that elevates to being very good or being a very good team that ascends to being dynamic. I mean, it can happen if everybody comes together, they kind of rally with one another, they play a system, and and they find something that's working. But they are going against a team that is hungry, experienced, and more talented and I think that is something that um, we should not shy away from. And I, I do think this, this series will come down to a lot of things. Can the Canadians limit Tampa Bay's chances offensively? And can they score enough? If it sounds a lot like the analysis we gave you about the Islanders, it is. It's true. They're, they're basically... The way they play, very similar. The only difference, maybe the biggest difference would be who they have in that.
1: Yep. He's the X factor. He can absolutely steal a series from anybody. Um, And and again, he just does it. He's like silent, but deadly, right? If, if we can kind of go down that path, Um, he just doesn't make a lot of noise. He doesn't talk a lot. He doesn't say a whole lot when he speaks to the media. He just is just business. He, that's all he is. Uh, But that's part of why he's such a great goaltender because he is so calm under pressure and, you know, doesn't get rattled and, um, you know, but look, this team has had success against him. You know, I mean, I think Steven Stamkos has more goals against Carey Price than any other goaltender he's faced in his career. Um, you know, so they have guys who can, so they're not going to be intimidated by carry Price. Um, you know, and they beat him in 2015. They had a 3-0 series lead against Montreal before, you know, it, it took him to a game six in that situation. Uh, But they're not going to be intimidated. That's the one thing. You're so close to this goal now if you're Tampa Bay. And I know Montreal is in the same situation. Carey Price has never played in the Stanley Cup final. He's not going to be rattled by that pressure and being in the spotlight for the first time and leading this team back to a cup final for the first time since 1993. He's not going to be bothered by any of that. But the same token, the Lightning aren't going to be bothered by who they're playing. They're going to go out and they're going to take care of their business and they're going to give themselves the best chance to win on a nightly basis. And at the end of the day, I think that's good enough.
2: How about, you know, if you think coaching matters, I mean, look at Montreal's circus behind the bench the last (laughs) couple of years. How many head coaches have they gone through? Four? I mean, it's been incredible. I mean, and I I don't know what to make of that. Honestly, I'm just throwing it out there because, you know, we talk about stability behind the bench in addition to what you have on the ice. But, I mean, they've clearly found something right now. And Mark Bergman as the general manager, I remember talking to a bunch and you did too. Montreal beat reporters who were hammering him. Hammering yeah. him up to this up to this year. And now maybe they've had to eat crow a little bit. But I, I'm curious, what does this do for, for Bergevin? Because I, I still think his track record has been hit or miss. And he's probably missed more times than he's hit. I mean, even this year when they made the coaching change, they were out of a playoff picture. And they were, what, the 18th best team in yep. the league when they got in? They lost five in, I think, their last five games heading into the playoffs. So it wasn't like they were playing really, really well. They made some changes behind the net uh, or behind the bench, and maybe that helped them. But I, I don't know what to make of them from that standpoint. Like, the GM is going to deserve a ton of praise for getting him to this point, but it's not like he's had a tremendous track record in Montreal. Do you you kind of feel that same way, too about this Canadiens team? I mean, they kind of just really got hot at the right time in the playoffs.
1: Greg, if, if they had lost to Toronto, we'd be talking about Mark Bergeman as being fired. You think he'd be gone? Uh, that's, that's, that's what the whole talk was. Yeah, it was, that was it. There was this chance, you know, they, they got in and in a COVID year, they finishes the, the last place, you know, the last team to get in two other teams finished with more points, including the Dallas stars and in, in, t- in the central division with Tampa Bay, and Carolina, Florida uh, that didn't make the playoffs. Um, and you made all these changes and it still resulted in what should have been a, a five game series lost to Toronto. And um, and they won it. And, you know, they found ways to win a couple of overtime games to force a game seven and they've just kind of ridden it from there. Now look, they were absolutely huge underdogs in the series against Vegas as they should have been. And they went out and they didn't care. They just went and played. Um, the spotlight's a little different, though. But, yeah, it, it is It is crazy to think that, uh, you know, they started the year with Claude Julien uh, after, you know, Julien was there last year and led them the upset of Pittsburgh in the play-in series and got them to uh, the play playoff series. Um, you know, he's fired a short time into the season, and they didn't bring in a head coach. They just elevated Dominic Ducharme, um, who, uh, you know, had a lot of success for Halifax in the Quebec League. Uh, and then he's out. Luke Richardson takes over. I mean, it has been uh, a circus, and 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 the only thing crazier than that is Mark Bergevin's fashion sense in his suits. Boys, and how about his hair? <laughs> that's a wild. That's a wild look. For the love of Christmas, man, find a barber.
2: He loves it though, I guess.
1: He does. It's good luck, right? We know how guess, superstitious people are. And, and the funny thing is, is like I don't think a lot of people because Mark Bergevin does not talk to the media much. You know, he's one of the funniest guys ever to play in the NHL. He, he has one of the greatest sense of humor that he doesn't let be shown too often. The, the,
2: the only way I know that is because he had some time in Pittsburgh and he was a character there, and he was really good friends with Merrill Lemieux,
1: which is one of the reasons why he, I think his career was prolonged <laughs> <laughs> towards the end. You know? there There's a story. Um, I, it was written about him sometime around the 2003 season because the lighting brought him in at the end of that 2002 season. season. He, he didn't play in the playoffs. He got in one regular season game, but he was such a jokester That on one of the team charters, like Dan Boyle had a fear of flying. He hated flying. uh, And he was, you know, and everybody knew that. So there was one flight where Bergevan was near Dan Boyle. And during takeoff, and certainly you couldn't do this on a commercial flight, but during takeoff, he jumped out of a seat, got into the aisle, and was right next to Dan Boyle and made it look like he was, you know, ski jumping (laughs) because he knew Dan Ah, Boyle was definitely afraid of flights. That's great. You know, so he he kind of had that oh, yeah. sense of humor about yeah. him, but um, there's nothing funny about the job he's done in Montreal. No. He's he look he's made some good moves. I mean, bringing in Corey Perry, bringing in Tyler Tyler Toffoli. Nobody wanted Tyler Toffoli. He sat on the free agent market for how many days after a good year in Vancouver before they brought him in. They make the trade for Eric Stahl um, from Buffalo. So he's made some impactful moves, but I don't think anybody thought that it was going to you know lead to this.
2: No, I don't. That's why I said, I, I mean, even the regular season, if you look at the record and how they were playing, they weren't dynamic. In fact, they, they wouldn't have made the playoffs, but Kerry price missed some time. He was injured. He did. And, you know, maybe it takes a team like that to, to figure it out if they get in the playoffs guys come together and they can, you know, rally around one another, but there's no question. Something happened in the playoffs compared to what they did in the regular season that has allowed them to get to this point. And, the GM has a lot to do with it. The head coach has a lot to do with it. But the players in that leadership group, I think, have done a nice job of, of probably keeping things together as well.
1: Yep, they have. And here they are on a place where not many people thought they would get to. And that's the opportunity to win a Stanley Cup. And so it's it's definitely an underdog versus uh, or David versus Goliath situation in terms of how things play. I, I think you can look at some of the analytical models. Um, you know, I think they have Tampa Bay with about a 75% chance to win this series so it's a huge huge favorite for Tampa Bay but we know it doesn't matter on the ice it's all about how you perform on the ice and Montreal has performed this postseason and guess what if they go on to win nobody's going to remember that they finished 18th nobody's going to remember how poor or how how much they they uh, scuffled during the regular season they're only going to remember what happened at the end if that's if they raise the cup but again I don't think that's happening
2: you think they'll raise it to uh, full capacity in Montreal? In Montreal?
1: What do you think? Um I think that I don't think they're gonna raise it to full. I, I think that maybe they'll go above the thirty five hundred, four thousand, whatever they've done. But of course you look at that and you wonder, well, you've got fifty thousand people outside. So what's the matter if you have fifteen thousand people inside? I, I just I I don't um uh, you know see the difference. I mean because you look at some of those Photos and pictures of game six against Vegas outside the building. It was wall to wall. It was a sea of people outside. Now, some of them got stupid afterwards, but they were so compacted outside. What's it matter if they're inside or outside at that point? Yeah, I know. I agree. That's why I think it's dumb.
2: I mean, just at this point, just let them all in, you know? Plus, some of the, <laughs> the league
1: has to make up some revenue. Can you imagine? I mean, they, they well, could put any Montreal price too. they wanted to on tickets. Yeah,
2: and it's Montreal, too. I, maybe that shouldn't play a factor, but it does. I mean, if you're not going to open it up in Canada for something like this, then you might as well just stay closed for next year, too.
0: Well, well, like because
1: it's it's still still so shut down. You know, any – and I wasn't going to be able to travel anyway, but any traveling writer was going to have to stay quarantined in their room. The only thing they would be allowed to do would be go to the rink. Mm-hmm. I don't know how that all played out in the end in terms of if anybody's going to travel, you know, into and out of, of Montreal to cover this series. But I mean, that's how and they had to get special, like even for the league officials who are going, those are the restrictions that they have to play under. They have to go on. A, they have to arrive on a private charter. They have to arrive on a private bus. They have to take a private bus to and from the the So what are rink.
2: the issues then? In Canada. I mean, because the people I have talked to, it's been more about getting the vaccine still at this point, although hopefully most who need a vaccination
1: or a vaccine have gotten it. But what is the issue still? Is it getting the vaccines? It's getting the vaccines. I mean, because you even see, because I, I have somebody I used to work with at the Tribune who, who lives up in Ontario, and I know that, like, they got two different, like their first dose and second dose were two different. I think they got AstraZeneca first, and then they got the Moderna for their second dose. So they've had some issues with that. Um, I think from a percentage wise, they're doing okay, but all you got to do Greg is look at Montreal, look at the Canadians, just at the Canadians, because they are double vax. They have both, everybody in on the Canadians have gotten both shots. Now when Dominic Ducharme tested positive, he was a couple a a few days away from being two weeks past that mark, but our is past that. And he tested positive. Do we know yeah, if it we was. We assume he tested positive. Well, I don't and the other thing, too, is.
2: Recording the other thing, too, is, you know, was it a false positive? Not, Do we not? Not with Ducharme. Not with Ducharme. We, okay, so that came out in,
1: and it wasn't. Yeah. Did he have symptoms yeah. or he just tested nope. positive? He's been asymptomatic. Okay. But he did test positive. Right. But now, again, you have a second member of Montreal with Joel Armia, who's in COVID protocol. Yeah. As we record this, it had a game one, so we don't know what the full explanation is as of yet. Other than that, he didn't practice and they were told that he wasn't tamped. Uh, traveling to Tampa because of COVID protocol. So you have to assume mm. that a, he got a test result back and maybe it comes back again and maybe it is, you know, a false positive And maybe he comes back for game three, but he ain't playing games one and two because of that. That's a big deal, man. That's so a tough one. like there yeah. was talk too, you know, like media day, all handled virtually. And, you know, that was a fun 90 minutes. And I don't say fun in a fun way. Um, 90 minutes of, of the zoom calls. There had been talk of maybe doing an outdoors, type of media availability and putting guys up in situations, not letting the media necessarily get close enough to them, but be able to ask questions and go around like a normal media day would be. Yeah. But once Ducharme tested positive, once Kelly McCrimmon, the, the Vegas GM tested positive, that went, that went out the window. So like, they're still worried. If, if you're from a league standpoint, they're still worried about this wrecking a final. Well, let me and just say happens, this: What happens, just as we saw with NC State baseball, what happens if Armia now tests positive, and you get five or six guys who come back tomorrow with positive tests? It's not—it's not a popular opinion, just
2: because I think nobody's going to say it. But they should just—they just let them play at this point. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I told you this—I told you this early in our podcasts when we've done this. Like, what are you going to do next year if you get five, six, seven guys that still test positive? Because it's yep. a virus it's not going away. yeah you can get vaccinated and our immune systems can build up to it to the point where like we're seeing for the most part now, most people who get it, especially elite athletes aren't going to have severe symptoms. So what are you what are you gonna do? like you're gonna have to live with this virus. it's just it's where we are it sucks. you certainly don't want to shut things down again. I think we've seen that this year. but like from a sports perspective where you have contact, and guys are going to be up against each other, which happens in in hockey. What are you going to do when the regular season
1: starts? What will be three months from now.
2: <laughs> I mean, yeah, you well, know, I, it's, I think what I think are you, you gonna just got to get
1: past this season, and, yeah. then, and then you worry about next season. Next season, I, I, I but the, but
2: I guess what I'm saying is the next season's coming up in three months. I mean, you're going to have to <laughs> either. Ex- but we also
1: know how much can change in three months. We've it seen can. that in the last fifteen months. It, it can for
2: sure. What I, what I'm saying is, let me just say this. The reaction I think we had to the virus originally cannot be the same reaction we have if it comes back and it's still well, no,
1: especially when you when you factor in all these reports about, you know, those who are still those who deal with it now and, and those who are, you know, being hospitalized or are, are the unvaccinated. You yeah. Know, just just I mean... as we were told, those with the vaccine, yeah, you can still get it. Nobody ever said this was a cure. They just said if you did get it, you weren't gonna suffer the same type of Symptoms and and issues and problems Um, And and, you know So I think that's where something is different In in terms of the mindset as we look towards next year But I think for this year for right now uh, I think you have to do everything You can to minimize and get Through this season and then worry About what next season is going to look like When you you know start to get assembled Here geez (laughs) in late August early September for training camp I've told
2: you I think it's a tough pill to swallow In a Stanley Cup final if a star player's got COVID but no symptoms, I mean, could you imagine a game six situation and one of the star players from either team has to sit out because they tested positive even though they show no symptoms?
0: Think David about Braun.
2: think about how tough that would be. Because we have seen guys play through broken bones. We have seen guys, who was it Um, from the Vegas Golden Knights? Somebody was playing with a broken foot. I think oh, it was yeah, Martinez. Alec Martinez yeah he's playing with a broken foot and guys would do anything to get back
1: into the lineup they and would but alec martinez can't transfer his broken foot to another player yeah but you, like i said before you 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 deal with
2: sicknesses all the time it doesn't have to be covid i mean we've seen the flu you know and and that can run rampage in a locker room if a guy can get up and play you know michael jordan the famous famous game right the flu game where he comes out and bangs and food has poisoning. that game well food poisoning too but we've seen guys <laughs> with flu like symptoms that have come back and played yeah. and I understand what you're saying I just I think that for, for an, a game that allows them to play through anything whether it's an illness or whether it's a broken bone I think that would just be a, a tough pill to swallow rules are the rules
1: I guess but that is a, a, a tough pill to swallow for sure
2: let's hope it doesn't happen
1: Let's hope it doesn't. Let's hope that this is an isolated incident and this doesn't become a controversial situation. Let's go out and play hockey. Yes, the Stanley Cup final does get underway on Monday for game one. And before we sign off, make sure everybody is aware of the promo code we have going with smackapparel.com. Use the code BOLTS21 for 21% off any order. That's any order, not just their hockey-affiliated stuff. Any order, use the code bolts twenty one at smackapparel.com and Greg before we sign off just uh we have talked about it uh, we've mentioned it um but prediction time. Oh, you're giving me predictions. Come on. Yes, man.
2: Um I'd like I, I let's put it this way. I think the Lightning skill like the Islander series is a little too much for Montreal. If we want to say this goes 7, that's fine. But I, I like the Lightning to uh to repeat. And I think I think the Canadians probably give Tampa Bay all they can handle just because of the way they're playing. But I think uh, the Lightning's skill set and the way they finish things off in the Islanders, I think proves to people that this is a team that can lock it down and, and they're comfortable playing a one nothing 2-1 game. And if that's what this series is, then I, I think the Lightning can beat you in a lot of different ways. And I think that's going to happen again.
1: Well, I know uh, owner Jeff Vinick would like this to get done in five games because his son is getting wedding, getting married the day of Game Six. <laughs> <laughs> that's so, a good tidbit. That's a good tidbit. If there's any, if there's any um, uh, extra added incentive for the Lightning, I, I think that's going to be. It. No, I, I, I mean, this certainly has the potential to go seven. I just you don't I, see I, it. I, I just don't see it. I just see this team prepared and ready to fulfill their legacy in a lot of ways. And I think not that last year relieved any of the pressure, but it did take some of it off, right? Like just that burden on their shoulders of being this great team that couldn't get the job done. They found a way to get the job done and they're on their way down that track again. And, um, I just, I just see it going that way. Plus, plus selfishly I I have vacation plans. (laughs) It always comes down to personal, (laughs) (laughs) Personal going on, right? Because originally the latest possible date for the Stanley cup final was supposed to be July 9th. So we, we built the one window of opportunity to take a family vacation around that. And, uh, of course it got pushed back and, um, if it goes seven, it would cut into that. So what so. you're
2: saying is sweep for everybody involved. My wife would would agree with you because she's ready for the <laughs> hockey season, I think, to be over because it feels like it's been going on forever. <laughs> uh,
1: it's it's all about how we feel about it, Greg. It's not about how the players it are going to go true. through it. It's all about what we it's feel from a personal see. standpoint. So. Right. <laughs> well, okay, sweep then for E. I said seven. Maybe he falls somewhere in the middle. Somewhere in the middle. Maybe maybe just one game beyond. Yeah, but maybe, five. We'll, we'll maybe five. Either way, it's going to be fun. The action gets underway on Monday. Greg, it, it's nice to be able to say this again. I'll see you at the rink, buddy. Yeah, that'll be funny.
2: Looking forward to it. And it should be buzzing. Should be buzzing at Emily on Monday. But it'll be a lot of fun, buddy. And I'll, I'll talk to you then.
1: Looking forward to the atmosphere, man. All right, for Greg Linelli, I am Eric Erlandson from LightningInsider.com. This has been the Lightning Insider podcast. Dot .com podcast make sure you subscribe rate share all of this and of course I'll be back with uh, post game recaps as well that you can find so make sure you subscribe to this podcast to get those in your inbox first thing in the morning after the game so until after
0: game 1 thanks for listening save big on brunch for mom all in the Kroger app